guessing that uh, I'm guessing somewhere midday. Um, with us now is um, a friend who's written a blog for a long time, uh, very timely blog, a, a really interesting blog, and he is a uh, uh, one of the one of the generals of of racing Twitter, uh, Mr. Dean Towers. Dean, glad to have you on. Nice to be here, Jack. Thanks for the intro. Well, you know. You're kind of like me in that we're not like quite to breed specific. Some people are just thoroughbreds and some people are just standard breds. And I mean, I started out with standard breds. So uh, when I was about 14 um, and I kind of, you know, gravitated towards thoroughbreds. But uh, I, I mean, my first job out of college was assistant racing secretary at Yonkers, uh, which is a, you know, obviously a standard bred track. So. Uh, you know, we got some familiarity with both, but <clears throat> there are a lot of similarities and uh, the issues in both breeds, um, you know, with thoroughbreds and and, um, and standard breds, especially in the, uh, you know, your area of expertise, the marketing, the, the how the game is sold, and, and of course, the wagering issues. Um, but there are some specific issues to standard bred racing that, that thoroughbred racing uh, doesn't have to deal with, and, and um, one of those issues kind of reared its ugly head this past Saturday at the Meadowlands in, um, um, you know, the, the, the kind of the, the downside of eliminations. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it, it is, there are some similarities, I guess, with, you know, not knowing what the connections might do. Um, there is in first time starters, with thoroughbred racing and certainly some tracks where you have hidden workouts or, or workouts that aren't charted, whatever. Um, so you're kind of at a loss and a lot of that turns a lot of people off the game um, because they feel like they're outside what's going to happen. And in harness racing, certainly because the drivers control so much of what that horse is going to do. And the trainer obviously works with the drivers. Um, they make a plan. And at times you're completely in the dark. <clears throat> and in elimination races, like we had Saturday, we had two strong, strong, strong favorites that everybody was picking for the exacta. Um, certainly both the most talented horses by far um, really didn't try too hard. And they got off back, uh, too far back, uh, a, a fortuitous driver, took the lead uh, with a horse um, in, in the one elimination and went on to victory, and the other two were just spinning their wheels trying to come home like a, a Chad Brown turf horse. And it's impossible to do that in harness racing. They can only go so fast to come home. So um, they were off the board. No, I think one of them, the favorite came third, but it was no hope. Um, there was about 300, 400,000 bet in the pool, as well as the first leg of a pick-six carryover. And uh, clearly suboptimal, <clears throat> uh, not what you want to have your sport doing. Uh, drivers simply not trying. And um, that's to make the final, of course. They want to make a final where the big money goes, and then they're going to try harder then. But you wouldn't have known. There were no clues. Uh, <laughs> there was no, oh, I'm not going to take the top in this slow second quarter. There was none of that talk beforehand. It was just, you know, fire beware kind of thing. And it turns off a lot of people in the sport certainly for a long time 
and they 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 they, they fail to address it. Um, barely people talk about it, so it's just it's like oh, it's part of the game, you know. Keep betting. Yeah, and, that, and that's I think something that just isn't acceptable anymore, um, in that people have a lot of other options to bet. And, and that's one of the things, and, and I guess in some ways, you know, standard breads race so much more than thoroughbreds do, right? A thoroughbred, you're, you're rarely just going to give them a race outside of maybe first start or start off of a layoff. Most of the time they're in there, uh, you know, to try to be competitive, but uh, a standard bread gets post eight on a half mile track and they have very little chance from there. Most of the time they're just going to, you know, go to the rail, talk, you know, kind of go around there maybe if something happens they can pick up the pieces but uh you know be happy to 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 live to fight another day and um and i guess you know part of the handicapping um uh, of a difference in in a standard bread you know harness versus a thoroughbred is that you know if you kind of look at the the lines especially when you're talking about not maybe not stake races but uh condition allowance rate you know non-winners of six thousand last five uh, or mine was a 10,000 last five where you might have a horse that had won a race and that race is going to come off the line and that horse is going to be able to yeah. drop down into a much, much easier class where it'll be a prohibitive favorite. You almost can just throw the horse out in those, those kind of races. And I mean, they don't always finish off the board, but, but what gets me, and, and this is just a personal pet peeve is, is that uh, I see horses eight, nine to one and they could win the race. But then it's the question that, that uh, you know, I, I talk about with Barry all the time. You know, we, we were going back and forth texting, and it's like, uh, there was a horse the other day at the Meadowlands. I said, this horse is the best horse in the race, but I just don't know if they're going to try. You know, they had one start off a layoff, and it wasn't, you know, it was just okay. And, uh, you know, but the horse clearly was, was, to me, the best horse. And honestly, uh, it was a nine, the horse was nine to two morning line, and I just assumed it was going to be, you know, the nine to two, the two to one, the four to five kind of deal, because it it seems, especially at the Meadowlands lately, that that uh, that late money is almost never wrong. Um, mm-hmm. And I and honestly, I got a little spooked from from betting the horse. I bet the horse a little bit, but way less than I would have. And the horse gal, she won easy. I mean, she won paid eleven dollars, and I was sitting to myself saying, you know, I, I got to stop thinking about the board you know just just bet and but it's impossible not to think about it exactly <clears throat> yeah that's i think the major major complaint um and thoroughbred uh betters you know what we do there is like you say they even if they ran more frequently the horse still has a running style and there's very little <clears throat> buddy buddy around the jock system as well um, so you kind of know the way a race is going to unfold. Someone might snatch and grab and Twitter will go crazy. But really, you have a fair idea of how they're going to line up on what's going to happen. And harness racing, it's you're right. It's just that one decision. is is It takes a horse completely out of a race. So, you know, if you were betting uh, in running on Betfair, the, the best example is you could have your horse like you liked, the best horse in the race, going to win. And... That horse goes forward off the gate in running those odds at Betfair. Say they're say they're five to one. Those odds will stay at five to one. If he gets an easy lead, you're going to go down to two to one. Whatever. If the driver pulls back, that horse is going to thirty to one. <laughs> like there's no. It's not like thoroughbreds where you're kind of oh, okay. I'm getting some pace. My horse. Nothing like that. It's like you are 
virtually out of the race. Your horse has a 3% chance when on paper it has a 23% chance. So, uh, so much decision-making based on that one thing, and it does mess with your head. And season players say, well, you have to figure out if that horse is going. And you, you know, it really is part of the game, I guess. <clears throat> but that frustrates so many people. It frustrates thoroughbred players. They scratch their heads. And it also shortens the field size. Because like you say, if you have a 7 or 8, and, you know, and they have a 90% chance they're going to the back, well, those two are right out of your super tickets, and instead of an eight-horse field, you've got a six-horse field that hurts handle. So there's a number of things going against the harness game in this vein, and for us as betters, where we just we have to decipher intent almost all the time. And when something happens that, you know, the, the driver that we deciphered in the tent uh, because he went to the back 27 times in a row from the eight post at Yonkers suddenly decides to leave. Well, he blows up our entire day, you know, blows up our entire pick four. We tried to do it with the numbers. You know, we tried to do it with the Ed Bain system, uh, and, and it still failed, you know, because this one decision was made that blew up our, our entire bankroll. So it's a frustrating game in that, in that regard, and more transparency I think the industry needs to know. We'll try to figure out some way to do this a little bit better, certainly in elimination races, because... It just turns off so many people, and this sport can't afford to turn off people. No, absolutely. The eliminations are really difficult. To, I, I kind of hearkened to earlier in the show when I was kind of um, previewing that it's, it's like the last week in the NFL when a team's got the home field wrapped up and, and they, they only play the starters one quarter or they only play the, you know, the, they don't start the, the regular quarterback. But everybody knows this going in for the most part. You know, it's not like right. this is going to be some big surprise that this is going to happen. Um, you know what the Meadowlands did for a while? And I don't want to just pick on the Meadowlands because the same issues happen at, at, uh, at, at in Mohawk as well. I mean, it's it's not it just, uh, you know, the Meadowlands. But to me personally, I, it affects me because I don't bet a whole lot of other um, standard bet signals. Because I just give up on half mile tracks. I just, you know, uh, and uh, I banned Hoosier for life at the passing lane. I just can't <laughs> deal with it, and uh, you know, it's just it's just too frustrating sometimes. But uh, you know what they were doing for a while was they were getting input on Twitter from a bunch of the drivers and trainers, and I think that it was it was helpful because. You could kind of read between the lines. I mean, you know, uh, n- n- none of the top catch drivers are going to say, "No, I'm not trying in this race." You know, we'll be dead here. You know, but you could kind of read between the lines. You know, yeah, you know, geez, uh, a lot tougher this week than what you know than it's been. So, I mean, that's kind of like, okay, I, I, I get it. It's a lot tougher than it's been. You're probably mm-hmm. not leaving from post nine. So uh, they stopped doing it, and and uh, and that was kind of, uh, and you know, there'd be kind of scratch six and. Horses, you know, they had some trainers would say, "Hey, the horse, you know, trained really good, and um, you know, missed some time, or, or you know, had a couple bad races, or had a break because they found the horse had a quarter crack or something." You know, just information. And to me, that is one of the the key areas that we don't use um, the modern ability to, you know, social media, uh, the ability to, to disseminate information quickly and easily. Um, to me, that it just it's a fail. I don't know why they stopped doing that because it, it it seemed like at least I was able to use it on a number of occasions where where it helped. Not all the time, of course, but I I, I can I, mean, I can remember a couple distinct um, races where 
that kind of made the determination when the driver really kind of seemed, or the trainer, didn't seem enthusiastic at all about a spot where the horse, you know, looked like they had a, a somewhat of a shot, not a 20 to one shot, but um, I, I'm not really sure why that stopped. I agree. They still do it in the program a little bit. I know it's very difficult. Um, they've never built a system. I, <clears throat> I always thought if we were, you know, a super professional sport or, you know, the NFL built a system of the injury database every week. You know, it's disseminated everywhere. Bill Belichick is terrible at it. But aside from that, you know, that's been going on for 100 years for, for punters. <clears throat> and I always thought if there was some system, you know, I, I, almost like when you enter and you, you know, you get your post and, and somehow you fill in a little note about the horse. And just to have that type of... You know, especially even with horses that raced bad last week. You know, you're a trainer, you know. Horses don't, uh, we hear it all the time. I remember, uh, you know, in, the, in thoroughbred racing, it kind of bothers me because a, a horse will be trying, say, a mile and an eighth for a first time and, and staggers in the lane a little bit. And then everybody automatically assumes that the horse can't get the distance. And no, the horse came back to the barn, and you scoped him, and he had a little bit of mucus, and or his front, you know, his front mm-hmm. front left was off after the race. You have an excuse for why that horse might have not raced well. Yet we never hear about it in thoroughbred racing. You know, we never hear about it in harness racing, and I think that transparency is important too. So it's the same thing: intense transparency, just being honest and upfront with the public, because you guys don't want to hide things from anybody. I mean, some of you do who might want to cash a bet, but that's very few. Chad Brown doesn't want to, you know, not tell anybody how his horse is feeling. So it just—it seems to me if there was some transparent way with intent and the health of a horse, or why a horse might have raced poorly, um, I think it can only, you know, give a lot more integrity to the game and uh, make at least betters have a, another another variable to look at, you know, to handicap where we might be able to sniff out something that a computer player can't just by doing our homework. I think that's, I just think that should be a, a part of the culture of the sport, but the culture seems to be, you know, my horse, none of your business. Um, I'm going to take him to the back. I don't care or whatever it might be. And I think that's always troubled me in some way um, over the years. I agree. I think most trainers um, and, and riders or jockeys would, would be would be perfectly content telling people the truth. Um, I, I just don't know that there's anyone asking them anymore. Uh, I mean, we had a situation in, in uh, at Belmont this weekend and, and uh, the victory ride of the sprint race for Phillies where Brad Cox ran a horse who was an uh, undefeated horse, Australasia, um, and she was right. a prohibitive favorite in the race, and she literally never picked her feet up. I mean, she got beat 50 lengths. Yeah, terrible. And I haven't seen a single word written about it. And right. to me, that's like, um, you know, like uh, people bet a lot of money on that horse. There was, you know. Uh, yeah, country pick five. Yes. I mean, so like to, to not have any kind of. And I know, understand the uh, listen right in the aftermath of of a race. Like you might not know what what's the matter with the horse, right? Because uh, you know, I've had horses that have come back from races that just didn't run at all, and 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 you know, the jock just looks at you and and you know, shrugs her shoulders and says, right. "I don't know, he just he just yes, didn't sir. have anything." 
and you scope them and they're fine. And uh, I mean, sometimes you never find out what what happened, but a lot of times it'll come out and it might not come out the next day. It might not come out right after the race, might not come out, uh, you know, for a couple of days, but at some point it will. And, you know, most of the time there's something. And, and this was, um, you know, this has been a kind of a pet peeve of mine in that I, I just, uh, you know, it, it would be difficult to do this every day for every race, especially you're talking about a lot of cheap claimers. And, um, you, know, you know, people are a little bit more wary about about giving information about those type of horses uh, because it's a little more of a poker game at that at that end, you know. But like when we're talking grade one or grade two, grade three stake horses, um, if your horse runs get speed of thirty lengths, well, you're probably going to want people to know, like you know, what happened because it just yeah. is. Uh, yeah. It just makes it tough. Like, all right, so that horse comes back. Maybe she comes back in the in the test. All right, maybe she had a bad quarter crack, or maybe she had. Uh, uh, you know, something, I don't know, saddle slipped, a uh, bit broke. So, I mean, that's the thing is like, there's a million things that can happen. And, uh, you know, are we going to get the information? I, I don't know. And and that's to me, something that's not that difficult to, to find out. I mean, you know, I guess I, I could text well, Brad Cox myself and find it out, but well, that doesn't Hong help Kong, everybody they, else. They do. No, exactly. In Hong Kong, they, I think it's up to the stewards and the judges and the industry to put that together, right? I, I really do. If you're four to five favorite, you know, maybe not an acclaimer, you're right, but your four to five favorite on national television backs up like Australasia did, um, it should be almost listed as judges, you know. The judges should, like they do in Hong Kong, they have a quick vet report or, you know, the trainer comment after and, you know, through two shoes, you know, whatever. And maybe it can be like you say. I've had horses, too. I've owned horses all my life and just, well, why'd the horse race bad? I have no idea. He's a horse. <laughs> they race bad sometimes. Uh, they weren't feeling like it. But to have that, and I think it helps everything. I, I mean, it helps, uh, it helps really if you do have a graded stakes horse that loses it's good to have an excuse <laughs> why yeah. isn't it good to have an excuse and let everybody know that that horse wasn't up to it that day for whatever reason so it just makes so much sense to me on every on every quarter but it's like everything i find charles with this business um it's hard to do right it's kind of like it's hard to do because there's no one there to do it yeah and you know, it just, it, it, well, how do we start that? Well, me and you can go talk about it on this show, and and then somebody can say, yeah, good idea, and then it just, you know, it dies on a vine um, because there's no one really to do that. There's no NFL person saying, well, we have to have a, an injury report. That's it. So let's put this in place now. It just seems that the will to do it, the infrastructure, the systems to do it, just uh, just seems to die on a vine every time. It's such a hard sport for that. I know you agree with that. <laughs> I, uh, that I do, and I, I got—I've been argued a hundred times with people about vet records, and I said, "Listen, do you have any idea? Number one, the last thing you want to do is give inaccurate or incomplete information." I said, "The second thing, I said, do you have any idea how difficult it would be to do that? It would be—it would be—it mm -hmm. would be so difficult." I said, "It would require the track to hire." Like not one person, they would require a, a bunch of people, and there would be a lot of, um, you know, you, you'd have to be on the vets, you'd have to be, uh, you know, 
taking that data, inputting it. Um, if you ever seen a vet's day sheet, like vets write like you know real doc, regular doctors, yeah. you know, I mean, you, you have a hard time sometimes deciphering. I mean, uh, most of the time when vets make mistakes on the bills, it's not because they're trying to rip anybody off. It's just because the person who's supposed to take the the vet's uh, handwriting and and put it into uh you know bill form you know can't read it or you know it's it's misspelled or you know things like that happen but um i said i said i, I number one 95 percent of that information isn't really going to be that useful to you i said and and no track no jurisdiction is going to make the massive amount of um uh investment in that because they're just mm-hmm. just it's just not going to happen and i mean you, you look new york does the the vet reports like for the graded stakes right and like nobody even looks yeah. at them or, or you know it's it's they're, and they're all nonsense you know it's all the same thing oh yeah the horse got fluids he got butte and and uh the, you know this one got uh you know extem uh, and this one got the you know adequan and and it, it really doesn't tell anything about anything it's it's just you know it's information but it's not really useful information yeah, that's the that's the point. The connections is telling you, I'm the same way. I, I read those, you know, the PDFs of of uh, you know, mm-hmm. it got uh, glucosamine, right. well, whatever. But uh, the uh, the you know things happen during a race, and like we, you know, things things happen before a race, um, and and you know, from talking to owners after a race, well, something happened. You share it, you know. Oh, he was fractious in the paddock. I don't know what was up with him. The van ride, and, and he, you know, was fractious on the track during warm up. Whatever, that that information is just really cool information for a, for a horse player to see because that can affect how that horse raced. Little things like that, I think, like you say, just on Twitter. I'm, it's funny, um, not to go on too much about, it, but I remember <clears throat> there was a carryover at your favorite track in harness racing, Hoosier, and. And uh, we took one, um, my buddy Ryan on Twitter, and I split a few tickets sometime at the U.S. tracks. And we're not our experts in them or anything, but we try our best. And, and we decided to split a pick six ticket or pick five carryover ticket. And Brandon Bates, who's one of the good, pretty good drivers there, and he's a good guy on Twitter, too, we left his horse out of a race, and we, we keyed somebody else. And we really didn't like a lot of horses, but this one stood out a little bit. And we didn't like Brandon's horse because he raced terrible last time. And sure enough, Brandon's horse goes to the front. We're alive. Brandon's horse goes up front, wins by three. Wins easy. And then Ryan pinged me back and said, gee, I guess I should have checked his Twitter feed. About two hours earlier, he said he had the horse completely shod wrong last week. And that's why the horse raced bad. And he thinks the horse is going to be great tonight. Could have made a pile of money just on that one thing. Mm -hmm. So... I think it adds to the game. It just, you know, it it makes you feel inside. It makes your average fan feel like they're inside the Chad Brown barn or whatever barn. It can help you make money. It helps you engaged and stay engaged in the game. Uh, it just seems there's little downside in something like that to me. Yeah, I, 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 I kind of lost my mind a little bit about the mama situation with the whips on Saturday, Sunday. In that in Sunday's first race at Mammoth, who of course we've talked about the whip thing for months now, the rider of the horse who won was a bomb, was twenty eight to one on a five horse field, with no form coming off a long layoff. The rider smacks the horse I counted five times on the turn. Um the horse goes on and wins. And of course, 
nothing, no inquiry, no no nothing, just official and life goes on. Well, apparently behind the scenes, the stewards called the jockey and started threatening him and telling him they're going to give him five days and fine him this and take his purse away and, and this and that. And I guess the jockey's like, the horse was trying to bolt. Like, what do you want me to do? You know, you told me we could use it for safety. So, like, my problem with the whole issue is this, and that if you bet on the race, and now the stewards are saying, oh, we're going to have a hearing Friday, right? They're going to bring the jockey in, and they're going to, you know, discuss the thing and this and that. And, like, to me, they completely, it's a total dereliction of duty by, by not posting the inquiry sign and talking to the jockey right then and there. I'm not saying that you, you make a decision on, a, you know, suspension or, a, you know, have a hearing, but... If you're at a racetrack where whipping is not allowed for encouragement and a horse gets whipped <laughs> and, you know, while on, the, you know, on or close to the lead and the horse goes on to win the race and then you just make it official and move on, like, I don't know what they <laughs> think like everyone's supposed to think. And, uh, I mean, I only got the word because it leaked out that they had, you know, had kind of read the Jock the Riot Act and now the Jock's like, hey, hold on. You know, this nobody else wanted to ride this horse. Apparently, the horse is kind of a maniac, and they, they, I guess the horse has bolted in the mornings. And don't ask why a trainer would send a horse like that to that track, but obviously he won, no so kidding. he must have known. You know, he did he did something right. But I, I mean, to me, it's like, what? Like, did they not think this was going to happen? Why wasn't there some sort of protocol? And why wasn't it explained to people? Hey. um, you know, as everyone knows, the you know you're not allowed to use the riding crop to, for encouragement. Uh, in this instance, we talked to Carlos Montalvo, who's claimed that uh, he used it for safety purposes because the horse was getting out, and and uh, you know we've reviewed the films and 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 that uh, you know we're going to make the race official. However, we are going to have a hearing on this matter next week, and at least you know people are going to be unhappy. Right, some people are gonna be happy, some people will be unhappy, but at least you've explained what's going on and, and, and what the situation is. But like saying, okay, you can't use whips, a jock uses a whip, and they just make the race official. <laughs> like to me, that was like, like, what are you guys doing? And then, like, how are you gonna give the guy days and take his purse away if, if you know, if, if what's you know, his claims, which seems to be reasonable, was actually true? I mean, I, I just to me, it's like just not being prepared. Yeah, there are lots of, I agree, lots of lack of preparation on the what-ifs. And that's, <laughs> that's horse player hell, right? When you're watching a race and you see, and Nair always my favorite with the, um, with the herding. You, know, you see a horse literally get herded out 12 pass, and then official and everybody's happy and we're moving on. It's like there's no one there. Like, I just want to kind of see that maybe you looked at something, right? And just like you said, you just want that, whoa, we saw this, we know you saw it, and we're watching too. That's all. You don't have to, don't have to do anything. It's not rocket science. You don't have to blare horns or have a parade. But just, we saw what you saw, and we're going to have a quick look at this. And it, it, that, it, it's amazing how few times that happens. Um, just like you said, um, and that's a prime example. And absolutely, everybody saw that. And it's a prime example. And, and we, you know, we, we have a couple places now uh, where the stewards are coming on the microphone and explaining what happened, which, of course, is, is, a, is a step in the right direction, but not enough. And how hard is it? I mean, how hard is it? It's just not that hard. And um, 
I, I've, I'm, I'm sure I'm probably not welcome at Mammoth anymore because I've been railing on them. <laughs> but it, I mean, th- these are these are things that aren't. This wasn't a, a tidal wave hit the track and hey, we you know we, who knew it was coming. I mean, this is something that, that this is literally all anyone's talked about for for months. There, I mean, why wasn't there some sort of plan if a jockey did? And, and actually, in the later race, a jockey hit a horse twice. Uh, a jockey making his first start at Mammoth under these new rules. And it was, uh, I mean, it really had zero effect on the, any bearing on the race. I mean, it was very close to the wire. The horse was second, was was way clear of the horse who was third. So, um, I mean, it wasn't like he actually gained any any real advantage. And, you know, maybe it'll find him 500 bucks. And he admitted that he goes, I, I just, you know, it's just muscle memory. And, I mean, it was just instinct taking over. And I haven't been riding here. So, yeah, I mean, he probably deserves five hundred for that, you know. I mean, because it is the rule, and and they probably could have got away with a warning, but either way, it it, it just goes to, to show you, though. Like the first race, I mean, it, it's hard to say, and and this is the other thing that that I I kind of been been trying to say is it's not always an issue of using the 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 whip for safety versus using the whip for encouragement. It, it can be the same thing. I mean, sometimes, you know, using it to, to prevent the horse maybe from bearing out or to try to straighten them out, um, you know, from, from cutting off another horse or cutting in their path. Well, by hitting them with a stick, that's also going to straighten them out, which is going to give them an advantage over those who, who mm-hmm. might not be doing it yeah. quite as, as aggressively. So, I mean, it's not like it's it's just uh are, are we just gonna say hey you can use the crop for safety but only if you don't win the race that's that's usually the way it turns out if it's not if it's not in the it's it always kills me with the uh <laughs> harness racing going back to harness racing versus thoroughbreds it's it's kind of interesting because oh i guess it's the maximum security thing with the the derby if if it affects anybody close to the front that everybody's watching. It can be, you know, in, in harness racing especially, it could be the littlest tic-tac foul. But if you knock somebody off stride, you know, when they're coming for, you know, around the, around the home stretch where they're, they're all in contention, it's, it's, you could be 10 inches away from them and the guy veers out a little bit and you're getting tossed. But it happened on the front, you know, on the back with another horse, uh, that got completely walloped, and they don't even look at it. It's always at the front of the field. <laughs> it's always the one right. that everybody sees. But that's just the game, I guess. I no, mean, it doesn't make much sense sometimes to me. But it, not much makes sense to me anymore, anyway. So. It, it, it's it's so confusing. I mean, we had an issue at Delmar a couple of years ago with horses breaking from the gate, and the one horse came over on, you know, like four paths out of the gate, and the horses who he he just literally wiped out didn't really do anything in the race and they left the horse up and they said, well, it didn't affect the placing. I'm like, well, yeah, it didn't affect the placing because he, the horse hit him like a linebacker and almost knocked him over the rail. Like, you know, <laughs> if you had tied the horse's leg to the gate, they wouldn't have had much worse of a start. So, uh, I mean, it's it just, and, and it's so unclear. And that that's one of the issues as well is uh, it's just not, not, not a clear rule anywhere almost. Uh, I mean, I was quoted one time by a, a, a steward a rule that doesn't exist. And, and he said, well, the horse the horse in front of me, uh, my horse was trying to make up ground. And they were cheap horses, and, and believe me, they were moving at, at a glacial pace. 
and the horse on the lead was kind of literally zigzagging. And every time my guy tried to get outside of him, he'd come over. And every time he tried to come back in, he'd come over, he'd come back in. And and the steward told me, well, he didn't make contact with your horse. And I was like, well, my jockey's not going to let him make contact. He's not going to go down to, to, you know, to try to get the other horse disqualified. But I said, the rule is, is failure to maintain a straight course and, and impeding in horses. I said, nowhere does it say contact. And, and and he just, you know, he didn't agree and he hung up on me. And it just was... Yeah, like, that happens too. But like, you wonder why the, the even jocks, but in harness racing too, if somebody comes out and your horse is, you know, might come third, but you, you'd really like a second, uh, and, I, and, you know, someone comes out on you, they'll snatch the horse's head and make it look like it. I, you know, it, it almost looks like a soccer player. Right. Or a, a stick coming up in the NHL where I have to sell this. And that's what he generally told your jockey to do is your, you know, your jock had to try to dart in and then snatch up the horse. And then you probably would have got that inquiry, right? It's just kind of weird. The fundamental reason why something happens isn't looked at unless it does happen. Yeah. Uh, it's an odd, it's an odd way to adjudicate sometimes. But I guess if they looked at every single thing, I mean, we'd be here. There'd be twelve-hour cards, but you know. No, that that that's true. And uh, I mean, honestly, standard bread, um, you see so so fewer uh, inquiries in standard breads. I mean, generally, the only time we see many inquiries in standard breads is, is when uh, uh, the breaking rule. You know, a horse breaks, and uh, I mean, I'm still. <laughs> I still can't believe that that that, that incident, the Red Mile, was the last fall would. Dave Miller's yeah. horse. I mean, that 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 Insane. was that was the most baffling DQ I've ever seen. I mean, uh, the horse literally lost thirty lengths on the on a, <laughs> and and he made it back up. But um, but the, the, that call at the Meadows the other day with the the perfect sting race, that was like I watched that fifty times and and I'm like I, I just don't see it. I just don't see a. Mm-hmm. disqualifiable offense there that doesn't happen all the time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing that I think bothers me most in both thoroughbred and, you know, Pat probably has a point. <laughs> Pat Cummings, I know this this whole thing is a big, uh, is a big issue uh, with the, uh, what is it, the international rules or whatever yeah. we're calling them. Right. But, you know, something does generally, you'd think, <clears throat> You have to have some consistency somehow, and that could be, you know, it could be something like Pat, where we, you know, this is cut and dried, and this is the way we do it, and then everything else be damned kind of thing. Or, you know, there's got to be some consistent way to do things. And in harness racing, John Campbell, who you know well of, and most people do, a wonderful guy, he brought everybody together to try to get universal rules in harness racing for the breaking rule, and etc. And that's moving along and, and some of it is pretty pretty good. But it's so hard. It's just it's just so hard and getting jurisdictions on board and um uh, it's incredibly difficult to have any consistency with anything. So it, it comes to the root of the sport, I think, all the time. No, uh, it it is hard and it's a lot harder than people realize. Uh I was asked a couple years ago um, me and another trainer were asked. We were on the board of the HVPA in uh, Florida, and we were asked to try to come up with a 
avoided claiming rule that we would be okay with that you know the, the horseman would be okay with um that would be fair that would protect the horses that would protect the owners and also would meet legal challenge which is sometimes the hardest part uh you know you have to be able to to be um you know bomb proof in, in, in a way and if someone takes you to court and they're not just going to overturn it and just you know change it they don't you know and, and the track was very specific they don't want a rule that is very ambiguous that that could be challenged in court because they didn't want to spend money fighting it you know so yeah it, it took us uh, two and a half months to come up with a rule where everybody kind of um you know was on board with it and even then the the the, the track vet she really didn't want to do it because she didn't want to ruffle feathers basically and it was wow. you know extra work and of course i'm sure they weren't going to pay her anything else and um you know i mean i was i was kind of incredulous that, that you know the, but again it's it's almost a situation well hey you know they don't grow those kind of people to take these positions on trees so we got to kind of take what we're going to get you know and and that's um it was a little bit eye-opening the process that uh, that has to go on with the uh, the legal department looking and, and trying to you know look at the, the thing eighteen different ways to see if if we're not uh, you know indeed stepping on someone's toes and um, you know of course every state has their own rules and I, I was I didn't even know this um, the, the the county has rules regarding you know things like, or laws like at least in Florida so I was completely flummoxed uh you know about 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 that but it, it it's it's just not so easy to do and, and it's one of the things where like to me i think everybody is um hoping and i i, I really believe this. i believe everyone really wants hissa to work i just think that there's a lot of people that are a lot more skeptical about it working than the people that seem to think that it's going to fix everything that ever was because I mean, it's supposed to be done in the books adopted a year from now. And as far as I know, I yeah. don't know that they've started anything. So um, it's just uh, you know knowing how hard it is to to come up with rules that uh, that fit and and aren't like I said aren't going to be challenged and and you know will stand up to scrutiny and 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 don't have to be changed because that's that's another problem of. Uh, oh, like, like, let's not just put a rule in there and, oh, it's not really working out, so let's change it. I mean, that's going to be a difficult process as well. So um, I just wish, you know, I just wish things were easier. It's just, it's so, more, it's so much more complicated than, you know, when we're discussing things on Twitter, how, oh, yeah, we should just do this and we should just do that. <laughs> and I'm guilty of it, too. I was yeah. like, oh, they shouldn't let this happen. But it, it's not always that easy. Yeah, we always complain and... I I always caveat my complaints with yeah, but it's really hard <laughs> because it is really hard. It just it's not a it's not a simple rule. It's not the NFL working with the NFLPA and thirty two owners to you know change the pass interference rule. It's it just not. There's nothing remotely similar between horse racing and that, and that's why things are so glace, glacial, and uh, and why I agree with you. I I don't know how they can. I don't know how they can implement what they want to implement in in such a period of time I, it's got to go back and just like you said with the monmouth whip um 
I mean, they didn't even have a plan for when that happened. And that's, that's a, a track under the microscope who's gone through this book rule every six ways from Sunday, right? And they didn't even have that little contingency plan. Well, what are the contingencies in that oh, legislation? I mean, there's thousands of things that could happen, right? So I can't see it, uh, I can't see it being smooth. I'm, I'm with you on that one. And, and I think, uh, and this is, you know, sometimes people that, that we get cheerleaders in this business, in the horse racing industry, that sometimes it baffles me as to why they cheerlead for certain things. Um, but I've always maintained that, and this is since, I mean, I went to the University of Arizona a long time ago, and there's been a lot of changes in the business since then. But the one thing that never really gets said is let's get better rules. It's always stricter or less restrictive or uh, this. No one ever says, hey, let's get better rules. Let's have optimal optimal rules. Let's have rules that work the best. And And I think that is the mindset of this business has been for the last 20 years that everything has to be stricter, stricter, stricter seconds. harsher, harsher, harsher. And, um, it, it just, uh, it just hasn't worked out that well. And I mean, I, I really do. I mean, I, I the Baffert case alone has shown, um, the absurdity sometimes of, of the current system. And, and this is, you know, this is what I hope, we don't have anymore where we have these endless hearings and, and injunctions and uh, claims of, oh, well, the, 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 the beta-methasone, they didn't mean that kind of beta-methasone. They meant this kind of beta-methasone. And, and it, it's just, all, I mean, if you saw the EPS, ESPYs this past weekend, they had about 45 seconds where the host of the show just absolutely destroyed Bob Avert. And, uh, I mean, I have nothing personal against Bob Avert. Nothing. I, I don't, you know, I barely know him. But uh, it's gotten to the point now where, uh, you, you know, the, the guy's, he, he's not a serial killer. But that's the way he's looked at in the public side. And a lot of that's his own fault. A lot of it is, is his own doing. Um, you know, trying to use lawyers as a battering ram and going and saying call it cancel culture and the groom peed on the hay and blah, blah, blah. But it, it's gotten to be a little bit nuts too and and that and then that's like you know i, I mean i know standard breads uh you know the harness game has always had that issue of of uh you know of trainers that suddenly become geniuses overnight and um i mean and and of course you know not said is that uh, uh in the navarro and service case uh you know there was a really big standard bread trainer or two that were involved as well and and uh I mean, it's, it's integrity is a, is a hard thing to to reacquire once you've lost it. Exactly. So exactly anyways, right. I I didn't want to like be the purveyors of doom today, but <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but but just the way it went. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes it's good. Hey, listen, the truth of the matter is, you go to the grandstand at any racetrack anywhere. There's a lot more grumbling than there is, uh, uh, you know, high fives. Uh, believe absolutely, the, the, it's the, part of the game. It the, really is part of the game. The, there'll be people fed up with Saratoga by Friday. I'm. T- <laughs> it'll already be. <laughs> oh, are you kidding me? What are they doing? Oh, they, 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 look at all these scratches. Oh, I can't believe I read Ortiz did that. Blah 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 blah. <laughs> and it's yeah. just the, it's just the <laughs> exactly. culture of the game. It's it's just us. It's just the way you know. It, it's it's part of the thing that that makes it. You know, that makes it it, it different and. Uh, 
Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, like we, we can sit here and bitch about all the bad things and all the things we don't like. And in the end, we, we're still here and we're still playing. We're still involved. So, um, yeah. yeah, we see a great, great performance. We'll see a great performance at Saratoga and we'll see, uh, and we'll cash a big super. And all the complaints will go away and until the next time they crop up. It's just such a great game. It's up and down, and that's what we do. And that's all, why we're here. All will be forgiven. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate you giving us some time today, and uh, we'll see what happens. I'll be honest, the metal in its pace, to me, is a, is a wide-open race. I mean, there's, uh, you know, you, you got to take into consideration what happened last weekend. Um on sloppy tracks, I mean, it was pouring down rain, but uh, to me, it's it's the first time in a while where it doesn't really look like a prohibitive favorite. No, it's 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 just, it's a trip race, I think, and uh, unless one eight hundred, who's a really nice horse, unless that horse has a had a big excuse last time with the track slipping all over the place, would he look like he was slipping to me? Well, we'll wait, we'll wait for some trainer comments. I mean, that horse might blow it open. At a nice price, but uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a tough uh, it's a contentious field. Absolutely agree. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm uh, I I can't get totally off my my horse a buck a bet, but I have no idea why they're I wouldn't either. Hunters. I have no idea why they're racing from the eight hole. I, I just would have scratched. I mean, after he had, I'll be honest. I, I worked for Yonker at Yonkers for two years, and this is when we were racing eight cards a week. I mean, it was like madness. So. I've seen a lot of races from Yonkers. I never saw a horse that raced like he did the other day, like a, a top class horse, especially. I mean, at Yonkers, the the the, the first elimination week. I mean, he he almost took out a, a you know the first turn. I mean, he, he was six deep. I mean, it was nuts, and I, I was very very surprised. I mean, he was literally like the second or third choice for the for the Meadowlands pace going into that ser- uh, you know the messenger. And he comes out of it, and he's 15-1 morning line. Exactly. Yeah, and he went bad a little bit last year. Another thing, you know, we don't get to see sometime, but he did go bad last year and went real bad. Yeah. yeah. So I think that some people thought he was going bad, but that was a greasy track. It was a terrible track. It was a horrible trip. And then he had another greasy track last time. Yeah. I, I, I'd be using that horse in pick fours. I think there's no way I wouldn't throw that horse in pick fours at a price. I'm, I'm with you. That's a wickedly talented horse. He he really is. I was I was on him in the Breeders' Cup last year at Hoosier, which is one of the reasons why I banned Hoosier when he made a break. And it probably wasn't Hoosier's fault, but uh, he he looked he, he looked like he was making a winning move. You watch that race over again. He was really rolling mm-hmm. at eighty four to one. He's a beautiful horse. I'm telling you, I'd have bought half of Hoosier horse. Park that day if, if he had won, and I would have banned the passing land. But um, <laughs> that's a st- that's a story for another day. The passing lane. Another another thing that could be debated, you know, for for for, for hours and and at the end, like not have any more clear, you know, any any more clear idea of whether it's good or bad than you did going in, and uh, you know, and that that's what makes racing. So, anyways, Dean, I appreciate your time and uh, good luck, and uh, we'll we'll be looking for for more blog pieces. Awesome, thanks. Your, it's really what, nice to talk to you. Thanks. Uh, how do you? Uh, how do people get to your blog outside of clicking on your links on Twitter? Uh, I guess it's pull the pocket. Google pull the pocket. I guess it still comes up first, so it must be still there. There you go. All Been right. there for fourteen years or something now. My goodness, yeah. Just Google that, and there's some 
some um, some positive things, not just negative like we talked about today, but there's a few positive things too. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. Thanks, Dean. I appreciate it. Wonderful. Take care. You Bye. Got it. All right, everybody. Um, yeah, sometimes sometimes we get carried away talking about negative stuff, but it's uh, you know, I mean, if you don't talk about it, it's never going to get fixed, and or at least understood. I mean, that's part of the thing. Sometimes. I just want to know why. I just would like to know, um, you know, uh, you know why um, something happened. And, and I think that if you're out, if you're betting on these races, I think you deserve an explanation of some sort, uh, especially when things kind of go haywire, um, that it's not really acceptable anymore because we have the ways and means to, to get that information out to, to people where it didn't really exist um you know before we had such you know widespread availability on social media on twitter on facebook and on, on, on all the other platforms um you know there's there's just you know we we need to do a better job of of uh of letting people know being a little bit more transparent and uh it it, it can only benefit it, it there's really no downside to it but um uh, I do want to thank Tom Law for for checking in, and Dean Towers uh, for for going over going over a bunch of stuff. And um, hopefully everybody's ready for Saratoga. It's here. It's uh, now we got to just start doing the rain dance, the anti rain dance. Um, I mean, it's Saratoga. It's going to rain, but uh, let's just hope it it holds off. All right. Thanks, Casey, and thanks everyone for listening. Talk to you guys next week. From BRL Equine, the people that bring you EPO Equine, Unlock, and Bleeder Shield, now comes Flexify HA, the most advanced scientifically-based joint supplement on the market. To find out more, contact me, Joseph Volante, at 215-501-6880. To be the best, give them only the best. BRL Equine. This is the Going in Circles podcast. Hosted by Horseman, Chuck Simon. To become a sponsor, to suggest topics, or for questions, email goingincirclespodcast at gmail.com. And log on to our Facebook page, Going in Circles Podcast.